for these two stone cold bitches, I think it's important that we address the times where animes had made us feel something other than that was funny or that was a little bullshit. <laughs> I'm Inti. I'm Annie. And this is Fun Time where we said every podcast with F you. So I guess Annie saw a Twitter thread or a trend. trend. <laughs> and this, we decided we'll make an episode out of it where we're going to talk about the anime scenes that made us feel something. Like the first 10 minutes of Up. Jesus. Or when Wally almost died. Or when Andy had to give up his toy. You know, things like that, but anime version. I almost cried in Wally, Toy Story 4. I don't know if I almost cried for the Up scene, but I did think it was very sad. And that scene in Frozen 3 when Olaf said, I am Olaf. <laughs> and disappeared. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, oh, he'll come back. He came back in Frozen 2. <laughs> but he never did. Frozen 4 was a mess without Olaf. <laughs> so, who do we go first for number 5? Well, this is your episode, so I say you go. Alright, hey y'all. Manga and anime spoilers up the wazoo. Specifically for Demon Slayers. Yes. <laughs> but mine's a softie for the for number 5. I decided for my number 5, I would pick the except I can't think of the word. I try to think of big words to look smart, <laughs> and then when it first comes to shove, I don't know. In the pilot episode of My Hero Academia, when All Might told Deku, "You can be a hero too," and Deku just starts sobbing on the ground because that's what he wanted to hear his whole life. Like, come on, that's every loser kid's dream is to be told by your hero that you can grow up to be something great. And we had an old episode talking about why the first chapter is so great of My Academia, but I mean. That scene is like, it sets the tone of what you're going to experience and the feels that you're going to get throughout this series. My Academia is one of the best written series. Terrible fandom. JK! <laughs> Sorry, 12-year-olds. <laughs> like, you just have to... I say you don't even have to be there. You can just hear about it and, like, watch this kid sob about being told his whole life he'll never be anything. And this one thing that he did without powers is going to make him a hero. I mean, it's a crazy setup. It's so good. But it's number five because there's not much to talk about other than the fact where I was like, oh my god, I believe in you, kid. And like, it's also about personal feels, right? Yeah. Like, something that evokes probably bigger emotions than in other people. We're stone cold bitches. Stone cold bitches. We Asian. <laughs> so, my number five, I feel like, is kind of a generic scene in that, like, everyone kind of talks about how this scene is pretty heartbreaking or pretty, like, emotional. Mine is from Hunter Hunter at the end of the healing Gon arc where Killua is apologizing to Nanika about how he said that he shouldn't have said for her to go away forever and that Alaka is just gonna be Alaka but Alaka's like no I'm Alaka and Nanika so they're both like crying and he's like you're right Nanika I'm your big brother too I should have never said that to you I don't think that's a generic scene I don't no, think I, much people talk about it I think a lot of people talk about it I feel like everyone won't shut up about the Kamara King and blind girl that's a good one too she's blind right yeah okay cool <laughs> the whole monster fucking thing that wouldn't work if she wasn't blind, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I I'm reeling because in two recording episodes, we're going to talk about monster fucking couples. <laughs> So, no, that, that's a very, very sad scene. Like, good for Kilia. He needed some scenes to himself. Yeah, for sure. And I like that. It's I think it's part of the healing process from getting out from Illumi and his family's brainwashing. Like, I think that's the final, like, he's a free man. I think this scene also is the penultimate, you know, accumulation of Kilia and Alika being, you know, siblings. Because before, he's like, oh, he never mentioned this bit. But, like, after all the brainwashing and stuff, he's like, oh, that's why he never really mentioned her. And 
does love his sister. Yeah, so I, I put that as number five, though. Some other scenes just kind of hit me home more. But I do think it's a very powerful scene that a lot of people talk about. Like, I haven't seen. You know, another thing is that, like, she's seen as a monster by literally everyone else in her family. And, like, Kelia was like, oh, I accidentally saw you as a monster, but that's not right. That arc is so good. So good. <laughs> the whole chase scene, fantastic. The fighting, wow. Hisoka, a bonus. <laughs> okay, my number four scene is when they gave Going Merry in one piece to his Viking funeral. And he was just like, thank you all for taking care of me. I was really happy. I'm sorry I couldn't reach the end with you all. Goodbye. And they're all just sobbing their <laughs> eyes out. Even Frankie, who didn't even step foot on that ship. Even Frankie, who was the one who says we gotta get rid of this ship. Like, because it caused, like, such a giant whiff between Luffy and Usopp. And then, like, it had to go. But it did its one last hurrah. And, like, it's so drawn. It's drawn around the manga. And then, like, the voice acting in the anime is what clinched it for me. And it wasn't, like, suddenly. Like, the Sky Pier arc was, like, setting up that the Going Merry is in shambles. I mean, that ship gets the shit beaten out of it. And Usopp's always mostly seen repairing the Going Merry. I think it's also, like, the Going Merry was such a, like, instrumental, integral component of the Monkey Straw Hat crew. That, like, you don't really think of, like, a big, like, change like that. And for that to actually happen, it's like, why would you do this? I know there's more important One Piece scenes, but the reason why I picked the Going Merry is just because with the other One Piece scenes, I feel like I hit, like, a 70 on the emotional feels, like, the first time I read it. But, like, the more you read it, right, maybe it doesn't hit that 70 anymore. With the Going Merry, I feel like it always just hit that 60 whenever I read it, So And it's like a death scene. It's not like a healing moment. It's not like a conclusion to anything. It's just like, it's death. You're never gonna see the Going Merry ever again and you'll just have memories of it. Until we get Tiny Going Merry. A baby! <laughs> Lions and sheep can go together. No? No, that's not the lesson here, but what's your number four? <laughs> my number four is the reason why he's my favorite character. In Fairy Tale, at the end of the Battle of the Fairies, when Loxus gets banned from the fairy tale guild, he has one last moment to watch the parade. And before he's gone for, I want to say forever, but honestly, it's like an arc or two, he sees the symbol from his guildmate that he created as a kid. That means that I will always be watching you no matter where I am. And all the guild members doing that for him. This is a fucking sad scene. <laughs> oh my god. It's so good. It's such a like, like it establishes like a goodbye, right? Like Loxus, he fucked up. He did something terrible, unforgivable. The grandpa is like, I'm your grandpa, but I'm more than that. I'm a guild master. You did such a horrendous thing to the guild. So this is goodbye. This is banishment. This is you gone forever. But it's like, but I love you. I care for you. And you, you know, like, like, there's a reason why he'll come back later. <laughs> it's funny because you said two to three and it's exactly where he came back because you have the Erastian Cess, Edelus, and then he came back in Tenro. I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to reveal that I know fairy tale? I was giving you a compliment. The four years of Annie being hyper obsessed with fairy tale, I will never get back of my life. <laughs> like, Annie is happy to have spent those years. I will never get what I deserve and lost. So my number three, just to piggyback here, is a scene <laughs> that Minty thinks is overrated. And I'm here to explain to Minty, it was not overrated, okay? So you have your Tenro Island arc where Loxus comes back. Next arc, Grandma's Games. And that's where you meet future Lucy, who came from the future to try stop the future where the dragons comes and destroys everything. And then the scene where she gives her life up to save her past self and she's dying on the ground and she's like, hey guys, don't worry. You know, like, I wasn't even your real friend. The real 
Lucy's still here to go on adventures with you. But then Happy's all crying, being like, no, you both are friends. Future Lucy's final wish is like, hey, past Lucy, can I see your hand with our guild mic that kind of like is a symbol of my family and friendship? And then past Lucy's like, oh, what happened to your guild mic? But why do you have to look at mine? And then you realize that the entire arc when she was writing with her left hand, she didn't have her right hand. And that's another important thing because she's a writer. And so that means she can't write anymore. And then it's just so fucking sad. And then she dies. <laughs> okay, you go now. Are you crying? Oh my god, I'm going to be crying so much for the top three scenes. You have no fucking idea. Like, they do things to me that no other anime has. Like, as much as I shit on Fairy Tale, it really did peak at one point and it will ruin me. I, I spoke too fast, I'm sorry. You little pussy. <laughs> And then Natsu's like, oh, fucking sad. He hardly feels emotion because he's too dumb for emotion. But he, even he understands when Luigi loses her guild mark, why that's sad. The running joke is that when Lucy first got her guild mark, Natsu's like, that's nice, Luigi. <laughs> Stop looking at me. Say number three. I always said mine. Unless you want to be like, you're right, Annie. It is sad. I thought you had a non-binary ass, but now I know that your pronouns are pussy <laughs> and wuss. But you're crying over a scene you've already seen. It's sad, man. Like, ew reason why a lot of people like future Lucy more than present Lucy. I just don't get it. I don't like any Lucys. Did I not explain why it's so sad? Because <laughs> in a series that's all about friendship and adventure, future Lucy had nothing. No, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Just not to the level of emotion that you're getting invoked at. You're judging me. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, I guess I'll go on to my number three. Would I ruin the mood? No, I'm, I don't know. It's just kind of like, <laughs> am I supposed to go to this extent now for my number three? I might get there more for my number two and one but I don't think no one is close. <laughs> My number three is the Demon Slayers with the villains of the entertainment or second season when Daki and her brother, I believe his name is like Yutaku? Girl Girl When they're dead and they're fighting and then hell and he was gonna leave her but she's crying like don't leave me. I don't want to be alone and then he, he piggybacks her and they go to hell together. Like they're just like this bickering siblings who are just always kind of there for each other who went through like all this shit they just wanted to get like their comeuppance they wanted to get like things that they deserve and they end up dying as demons and going to go suffer but they're gonna do this all together it's not actually my number one KNY scene but Annie has it so Annie <laughs> can go talk about it I need another thing too is like it's very important to establish that Girl always thinks that his sister is perfect because she was born beautiful the only reason why she went down this path is because he made her into a demon But he he's the one that asked Doma to turn her into a demon so he was willing to go to hell and let her go to heaven and but she was like no I don't want to be separated from you you idiot I'm sorry for saying I didn't need you was she even gonna go to heaven there's no way she would have been to heaven man. she's a demon oh but you know the creator said that the demons if when they spend enough time in hell eventually they can get redeemed and reborn as human I guess that's nice but you know they never said that in the series it's very sad and I know like sibling stuff always gets to you yeah oh god I love that scene where Tanji was like please don't fight you just have each other and it's such a parallel to Tanjiro and Nezuko. <laughs> no, I mean, that's my second favorite scene, though. Alright. My second feel scene. I put, like, the whole fucking chapter because sometimes I just, I remember when I first read it, I kept rereading it because it fucked me up. Chapter 163 of Kamitsu no Yaiba. Because I swear to God, I could have just made a top five 
this of times I got fucked up by Demon Slayers. This is way past the anime, yes. so anime spoilers. Chapter 163 is the scene where after Kanao and Inosuke kills Doma, the upper pillar, and they're kind of like reeling the fact that Kanao has just lost Shinobu and Inosuke lost his mother to Doma, so he kind of like got revenge. So first, we pan over to Kanao, who is looking for Shinobu's hairpin, and Kanao feels so useless because first of all, she let her master Shinobu die, and second is that Kanao is such an emotionally repressed bitch with one, connect with that on a spiritual level, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry Shinobu, I can't really cry for you, all I can do is look for your hairpin because like, you know, my traumatic past stopped me from being able to cry, but you guys never judged me, like even when Kanai died, Kanai, or whatever, died and I didn't cry, none of you was mad at me, but I swear to god I'm doing my best, I'm, I'm fighting, I have friends, and then when she finds Shinobu's hairpin, Shinobu and Kanai like pats her on the back in ghost forms like thank you you know we always just want you to do your best so now we're gonna go and Kanao breaks the fuck down and then when we pan over to the other side of the room Inosuke has collapsed from exhaustion it's like why am I so tired I don't really get it. I guess it's from the fight and then he remembers like the faint memories he has of his mother who loved him so much she might have been dumb but and she might have shoot him off a cliff and said you're gonna survive this honey don't worry <laughs> but, hey, she was right. Yeah. And Nosuke realized that he really liked Shinobu because she reminded her of her mother with the little pinky promise that she will always love him. And then Inosuke just starts breaking down and crying. So you have this room of two people who lost everything and they're just breaking down sobbing. And I'm supposed to be okay with these teens just, you know. I'm sorry, I can't go as much into detail as the fairy tale one because um, fairy tale I knew for like four years. Demon Slayers, I had this for like one or two. <laughs> <laughs> but it fucks me up inside. I'm done with my number two. And not to dismiss you, I just never think of that scene. How dare I? I read that chapter so many fucking times. And at the very, very end, you see Shinobu and Kanai go with, reunite with their parents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know that. Like, to me, it implies that Kanai never meant to see the parents without Shinobu. Oh. And that only now that they can be a happy family because the whole time Kanai is like watching over her little sister and her adopted family. And nobody watches Kanao anymore. <laughs> Well, she has that snake. That's true. A little snake. It's gonna help what? I'm a snake. Yeah, that snake is intelligent. I feel dumb that I'm gonna have to, if you don't want to end this episode. I don't know you had so much emotions for yours. <laughs> I think I'm a, I think it's, I'm a ISFP. So there's feelings in there. <laughs> I don't remember what mine is. I want to say it's like INTJ. I think that's yours. You're the investigator. Ooh. Probably the only connecting point is introvert. That is weird. So my number two scene. Now, when you think of One Piece, you gotta think not just of like the hilarity and the great action scenes and the well-written plot we also got thinking like almost every character has this incredibly heartbreaking emotional backstory like i thought they would have given like the best ones to the crew as far as i can tell reading all from beginning to end until i'm halfway through the zoe island whole cake island art so the last backstory i read was big mama's which is pretty fucked up but so well written man by the way you're talking i don't think you're gonna talk about how that girl fell on the stage and died. <laughs> gonna have to give that the best backstory that explains the character that makes you feel something that makes you go holy shit is the one with Law and Corazon specifically the scene which I think we all know if you've read One Piece the part where Corazon has to confront his brother and he hid Law in the chest and Law is 
screaming for Corazon not to do this, but because of Corazon's calm, calm fruit, no one can hear him. And Corazon, although he's like technically talking to his brother, he's really just speaking to Law about how he like kind of fucked up as a person, but he wished you to do better. You, you know what I mean? It, it was just like, it, it was so well written. I really like the scene where Corazon, when he's talking to someone, I forget who he's talked to, but he's starting to explain like, oh, I know Law is really mean to me, but this whole time, Law's the one who's been suffering. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, him dragging him to all these doctors and trying to get mad, like, what do you mean you can't help him? I mean... And I know this is anime cliche, but when, like, Corazon is, like, clinging to life just so that until he knows that Law is safe for as long as he can, and then when he finally dies, that's when you can finally hear Law cry, and, like, it's super loud, but you can't hear him over the gunshots. Are you crying again? Fuck off. You pussy. <laughs> Mostly me pussy, bitch, you. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, like, a lot of well-written scenes, right? I think the Nami one is one of my personal favorite. The Otohime is the one about, like, society and, like, trying to make, like, a social, peaceful revolution. Robin wants to live. Robin wants to live. Sanji and how he grew up in, like, this weird, scientific, military-like environment, and he had to run free. The Long Corazon is the best one, especially if you want one that's gonna tug on the heartstrings. Fun fact, Oda's favorite emotional scene is when Vivi was asking her kingdom to stop fighting. That was pretty good. Yeah. For someone who kept constantly talking about wanting to save her kingdom, and then she was the force to bring it all together. Like, that is the goal. That is her reasoning. Oh, her not joining the <laughs> One Piece crew? That one as a kid made me go, she didn't join? What? But, but yeah, I mean, I also I had to like separate the scenes I really liked in One Piece, because obviously the Zolo taking away the pain from Luffy is my favorite scene of almost all animes. But I think in terms of heartstrings of like, if there's a scene that could have made me cry, it would have been the Corazon Law one. So we're going to my number one now? You want to do your number one? Uh, depends how you want to end this episode, baby. <laughs> All I'll say is that Annie's number one is my number one for KNY. Okay. Imagine in KNY, Kimitsu no Yaiba. That's oh, what. Also, past anime spoilers again. Again, but super past. Like almost towards the end of the series, spoilers. So we set up this whole Genya thing in a sword billing arc where he wants to be a demon slayer because he wants to apologize to his brother for calling him a murderer for technically killing their mom. But he didn't realize that, you know, like, Snammy didn't want to kill the mom she was a demon it was them or you know the mom and the mom clearly already killed like four other siblings and they're each other's only family members and there's a lot of miscommunication between the two and during the upper moon fight when they're finally back together Genya dies and he's fading away, and he never actually got any resolutions with Tsunami. And so when Tsunami finally realized, oh shit, my little brother's dying, this hard-ass character, he's badass, man. Like, we just saw a whole fight of him just, like, doing some hardcore technique. He just breaks down, crying, be like, please, God, no, don't take my little brother away. And, like, it really emphasizes that he was only pushing Genya away because he didn't want him to be a demon slayer. And Genya, like, all he can say is, you know, my brother Nami... He's the nicest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you're gonna waste your final breath just complimenting your brother. And all he can do is grab the dust floating away. And he didn't even make a proper resolution with him. That's like so sad. And like, I know this isn't part of the scene, but later on when Tsunami's like on death's door and he sees all his little siblings... But then he sees his mom behind him, and the mom's like, oh, I can never be with my, you know, kids because I'm the one who killed them. And Tsunami's like, oh, that's okay, mom. I know you're kind still. I'll go to hell with 
you. And the dad's like, fuck no, I didn't raise you to be a pussy who dies. You get back to the living. And so then he's like, fuck you, abusive asshole. And then so then he wakes up. And he's like, ah, shit, I gotta live for another couple of years. Better pop a sperm inside a woman and make a descendant. Jesus, Annie. <laughs> like, the whole tsunami, like, kind of not wanting to live is what gets me. And makes the scene even sadder when he loses Genya. Because he doesn't want to live. Why does he have to live without his little brother? Why couldn't they just have, like, a little happy moment for, like, a day before losing each other? Are you crying again? Fuck off. I'm sorry, you don't like it when I respond with that. Why don't you talk about how much you love this scene? When I first read that, right, like, I couldn't, like, thank God they put that after the Mist Pillar died, because I don't think I could have read the rest of the chapter if I had to read Tsunami Losing Genya. No, I remember we were, like, trying to binge read, trying to catch up. When we read that chapter, I was like, we gotta stop. <laughs> I gotta, like, digest this. That chapter was so, like, nice, because KY has, like, the best siblings relationship, and that one chapter had three brothers. It's, like, the only series that really talks about siblings. Like, some talk about figuratively, some talk about how the distance. This one actually talked about, like, real interactions with real siblings and real... Oh my god, you little... Oh my god, this is what my tears... I, I feel bad because this is truly my number one, but I think I, like, um got really tired from the fairy tale one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we should start from number one, have all the energy, <laughs> and then, like, be dead with number five. Number five. You know, Deku, all my... You know the one, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's a good scene, don't mind the energy. <laughs> I think if you watch enough of our podcast episodes, you would know that Naruto is, like, my absolute favorite series of all time. I grew up with it. I- I- I've seen it, like, oh, here's a new series. Let's start watching it. Let's start reading it. Waiting anticipation every week for the new episode. Every other month for the new volume. I didn't read the end of Naruto for the longest time because I couldn't believe it ended in Japan already. And that if I finished it, then I would have nothing else left to read afterwards. The void that it leaves, right? And I think there's a lot of powerful scenes in Naruto. I have a lot of personal favorites. The tuning exam and him not wanting to give up even if it meant he could never do the tuning exam, right? That's my favorite one. But and there's a lot of good death scenes. But I think the one where Jiraiya goes to the Akatsuki hideout because he feels like he's responsible for raising pain into the villain that he is that's gonna try to end Konoha. He goes there, he gets defeated, he sends his last message on a frog to go to send back to Naruto. Yeah, to the village. Being like, here's what he knows to help like you defeat the villain when he comes. And I, I, I think it, it hits everyone hard, right? It hits Sonali hard. She's a strong female character, leader of the village, and she's like sobbing on the wall, crying, being like, why did you go? You didn't have to do this. You could have just stayed here and we could have all fought together. And I think Naruto, you know, he's just walking around the village, kind of just bummed out. He goes by the popsicle that he had always shared with Jiraiya when they were training. And then he sits on a bench park. He's not eating the ice cream and you see like water drops dropping onto the ground. And you're like, oh man, Naruto's not eating that ice cream. But when you pan up to his face, it's just him crying. Him devastated that his his master, his sensei, his friend, his grandpa, like he's dead. He gave Naruto everything. The Rasengan, the frog, sage jutsu. The porn magazines. So much porn. <laughs> the new outfit. That was all given to him by Jiraiya. And now Naruto is alone again. In, in a sense, right? I mean, like he still has Kakashi. He still has Sakura. He still has his friends, his village. But like in terms of like family, he lost that. And I don't think he's ever felt a loss before. He was always the kid who never had anything. So when he gets something, he actually, like, this is his first time probably feeling a loss. And now he has to cope with it and I guess understand Sasuke better. I remember that fight, that, that Lincoln Park AMV. <laughs> Shut up. Like, what's worse, never having anything or losing everything? I get it now, Sasuke. Yeah, I mean, it's always better to love and loss because even though it hurts more, at least you had the love. So to me, that's like a very emotional scene for me and Naruto. I had to jazz it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I should have, but <laughs> when Annie was talking about death last three scenes, I was like, jazz it up. Come on, man. Milk it for all that emotion. Especially because I know Naruto is not like the most popular series. Like, I think everyone knows the One Piece one, right? Everyone yeah. knows the Corazon Law. Yeah. But I don't know if anyone found this scene as impactful as it did for me. One of my honorable mentions is when um, Byakuya died and Dr. Stone. That's a good one. That's a good one, but I don't, I remember being sad doing it. I don't remember it now enough I could talk about it. I mean, if you talk about like the, the last message to Senku and his first time and last time crying. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> my honorable mention was when Ash said goodbye to Butterfree. Damn, B. Because there's so many like, like it was his first Pokemon he technically caught. There's a scene where like Caterpie's talking to Pikachu and they're like, I'm gonna fly to the moon one day. The stupid Metapod battle. Butterfree finally evolving and then he's like, oh, he's gonna go? As a kid, that fucks you up. Anyway, thanks for coming to our episode. I'm so emotionally tired. And he's a pussy. We Demon Slayers and One Piece. Bye.